This is the Squared Call Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Welcome to an extra spooky episode of the Squared mm. Co. podcast. Jared, spooky. doesn't sound like yes. you like that intro very much. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's funny because it's it's not really that spooky. It's creepy. I know, but How about we're that? trying to creepy play is a better with word. the fact that we're releasing this on Halloween. And our guest is um, from Creepy Company, who is spooky herself, right? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyways, our <laughs> today we're talking to Kelly from the Creepy Company, um, and it is Halloween, so I don't know all things spooky. Anyways, right. I had a um, Creepy Company, some like a brand or company that I've looked up to for a while. Um, I like all the stuff that they put out, even though I may not have always been a fan of the scary and Halloween related stuff. Um, but it was really cool to get her on and kind of hear how you know her story and how creepy company came to be so yeah i mean it was it was um i must admit i i didn't know a lot about this company before we sat down for the interview i, I looked at the website obviously and i had seen the products before mm-hmm. um and it's a it's it's a mix of products of their own creation and then sort of licensed stuff right. um so i didn't really know what to expect from this interview because I, I i had never talked to kelly before even even online um but she did have a lot to say, which was great. Like she has a great story. And I think we just kind of touched on it a little bit in this. We didn't go too deep into every section, but for people who are starting um, either a business or a freelance thing, it's kind of a, it's always nice to hear people's perspective on that. So I think that's the, one of the best things that comes out of this, uh, this conversation. Yeah. And like you said, we, we barely scratched the surface. So I would love Mm -hmm. to have her back to, you know, get a little bit deeper into, you know, her story and then a little bit deeper into Creepy Company and some of the other things that they've got going on. So it seems Mm -hmm. like they're doing a lot of growing and there's a lot more stuff that she couldn't really talk about at the moment. So it'd be fun and interesting to see what those new products are going to be and those new uh, projects that she's working on. Once those are released, try and get her back on to talk about that again. Um, but before we go ahead and start the episode, we want to do a little giveaway. So I have some pins, uh, some stickers, both from Creepy Company and Squared Co. that we want to go ahead and give away. So uh, if you're interested and you want to get in on some of this free merch, uh, this will be our first official Squared Co. giveaway. You know, we should have thought of this before we hit record, but... I don't know. <laughs> What's the timeline going to be for this? So, okay. The entry is uh, we are on iTunes now and we want to start getting um, some more reviews. So we will pull one random person from our reviews on iTunes. So yep. one entry is a review to the Squared Co. podcast on iTunes. And we will draw a winner. When are we going to do this, Jared? Well, I think it should be an ongoing thing because we're going to always be asking you for these reviews. And the good thing is that I think uh, no matter when you do this review, you will always be eligible for these giveaways. So if you've already written a review 
all two of you or whoever. You're entered. But, you know, so the new people should come in and do it. And uh, like I said, it'll be ongoing. I don't know. Let's do this in like two weeks. So it's it's supposed to be Halloween right now that we're announcing this. So uh, let's say in two weeks. Let's we'll, do we'll it uh, the Monday after Decon. So we'll both be at Decon. Ah, that's a good idea. And then whatever... Because that way I'll have more product to pull from after Decon because I've got some new pins and prints coming out. Mm -hmm. So it'll make this prize even better. So, yeah. So uh, November 11th and 12th is DesignerCon. We'll both be there uh, and we will pick a winner uh, sometime after that. Right. Right. So whatever our next recording will be after Decon is when we'll announce the winner. So. But keep doing it because, like I said, you will always be able – we will have this ongoing that we will give away crap right. every time uh, we do this. So uh, you so will always be entered. If you're listening to this and it's after that date, you can still uh, go ahead and give us a review. And our next drawing, will you'll be eligible to win something. So like Jared was saying, right. just get your name in there. And anytime we have a drawing, that will be how we pull the winner. So please okay. go ahead and give us an iTunes uh, rating and review. And with that, <laughs> is that it? I, I that feel it? like I feel like we have to have a better segue now to the the episode. But I guess yeah. Not. Happy Halloween! All right, we'll go with that. All right, today we have a very special guest. Um, she is the founder of Creepy Company. It is the one and only Creepy Kelly. Welcome to the Squared Co. Podcast. Hey, guys. Yay. Thanks for having me. Woo. Did I did I say your name right? Creepy Kelly? That's yeah, like sure, called, right? sure. <laughs> I like it. I love it. So was it difficult uh, growing up with a name Creepy on the playgrounds? Oh, yeah, yeah. That paired that paired with the spelling of Kelly. So, you know, oh, that's with right. the I-E, <laughs> with the Y. So. Always fun. Oh, you know what? Jared spells his name Really That's right. J E R R O D. Yeah. Like I mean basically it's wrong. That's what I like to tell my parents. It's wrong. It's an incorrect spelling of the name, but <laughs> I know. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But like so growing up were you um do you want to do an intro mark as to what Kelly does first cuz I got so many questions. I almost jumped into <laughs> it a little too fast, but we probably should have some setup. Right. So um we'll just do a down and dirty. I'm sure if you're here listening to this, you saw either our episode art um, or you're familiar with Creepy Company, but Kelly is the creative director for the Creepy Company. Um, they produce all sorts of products that have to do with the Creepy Supernatural and Halloween. So I'll, I'll bet Kelly has a description in her back even, pocket that even she has better to do than that. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, that was, that was terrible. <laughs> so Kelly... Why don't you tell us real quickly, or the, the people listening, what uh, Creepy Company is? Sure. This is my one of the things I actually struggle with, like, is an elevator speech because mm-hmm. because we've been around for we just marked our two year anniversary about four or five months ago, so hasn't been oh, that really? long. That's great. And we're mm-hmm. we're growing so quickly um, that we're evolving constantly. Right. But in a nutshell, you know. We're just a very community-focused collectibles brand, and I see that the 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 um, descriptor collectibles brand is sort of an what's the word I want to use? Not an excuse. It's kind of like a half-ass. <laughs> it's like it is an excuse, you know. I don't want <laughs> to cover a lot of things, or <laughs> yeah, I don't want to to nail us down to one thing in particular. Mm-hmm. 
So right. we just like to make things for folks that are like us, whatever that means. And creepy <laughs> is a, a descriptor that encompasses so many different things. So anything mm -hmm. can be creepy, you know, depending That's, on how you look at it. So yeah. no, that wasn't like a Mark. Thing. Like Mark's mustache, that that can be creepy. <laughs> See, there you go. You know, yeah. you can flip the script on anything at any time there you, to make it. So creepy. we're gonna get into more about the company specifically, but I, I kind of wanted to start off with, um, like, there's a. It's not necessarily a Halloween brand or company, but this is this time of year, and and it's certainly appropriate for now. Like, did you grow up loving Halloween? Oh, absolutely. I'm one of those people that, <laughs> for for whatever reason, uh, it imprinted on me very early and very strong. So sort of a, um, just a, a lifelong passion. And that's something that folks who have the same sort of sensibility are always talking with one another to try and pin down where that came from exactly. I don't think anyone has a, a really con concrete answer. You know, with the introduction of our Bystel collection when we started that first year, that was part of the things, one of the things that cemented us as a brand that really uh, enjoys and celebrates Halloween, um, but also reminds people of the fact that the way that we view Halloween and celebrate it in the West is unique to us. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a, a holiday that's very commercialized, but does have roots in, you know, uh, pagan celebrations and whatnot. But sure. what it has become is, um, has been largely shaped by some of this early stuff that happened in the in like 1920s, you know, with mm -hmm. like with brands with Beist, like Beistel that brought Halloween from Germany and then changed it into something completely American. So um, trick or treating, you know, that's unique to us as it exists right. now. Yeah, I don't know. There's so much to say about it that it's it's difficult sure. to know. Like so, but but let's go to to your Halloween uh, first. Um, yeah. Like when you were a kid, what do you remember? Like what your earliest uh, memory is of Halloween? Whether that's just a costume or a party or something. Yeah, I think that the earliest costume I wore that I can think of was it's undoubtedly it's something your parents pick for you. Sure. Is that memory you have? <laughs> and yeah. for a lot of people, it's not necessarily something they like, but they uh -huh. remember it. <laughs> they have right. photos of it. I was dressed as a Dalmatian, and that's all mm -hmm. I remember uh, one year. And I think that was like one of the earliest. But then I was a witch for several years in a row for whatever reason. I'm not quite sure. Uh, <laughs> but until that point where you're able to choose for yourself, I mean, people, you know, they choose for their kids all the time. But uh, my, my memory is funny. I'm getting old. I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> Do you remember what the first costume was that, that you picked for yourself? Uh, you know what? <laughs> this One of my favorite early Halloween costumes, I think I was seven, was uh, I was mm -hmm. a California Raisin. Oh, that's <laughs> great. And I don't know if you guys have any recollection of this particular costume at all. But I it think so. was like a foam thing that you pulled over yeah. with holes. <laughs> I'd never seen anything right. like it, right? So we went from, it was very much during that time where Ben Cooper and Collegeville were still doing their thing. But then it, out of nowhere came this foam raisin, you know? <laughs> and then I, I was obsessed with the California raisins. I drew them in second grade almost exclusively. Really? So, much so, <laughs> wow. that, so much so that people would, would ask me, can you draw me a raisin? You know, draw the California <laughs> raisin. 
And then after that, that costume became this little, uh, I used it as a rug in my bedroom. So. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Mark? Do you remember your early Halloween costumes? Oh, I was like, just going to ask you. So we'll do around the table here. Yeah. So for okay. me, I mean, this is going to be no surprise to our listeners and Jared. You already know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Um, Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge part of my childhood. Um, I think from as early as I can, like, was able to pick my own costumes out. It was always pop culture related. So whatever mm-hmm. TV show was the coolest at the time. But I think the earliest was um, Ninja Turtles. And then maybe I did, what was the other one? Oh, Power Rangers mm-hmm. I did a year. And I remember the first time that I actively decided that I wanted to watch Star Wars I went through the whole trilogy in one weekend, and that weekend happened to be in September. So after that, I was I pretty much begged my dad to send his credit card information to like the insert that was in the VHS tapes that had a Darth Vader costume. So that year, <laughs> nice. I was Darth Vader after watching the trilogy for the first time. All right. Sweet. Jared, your turn. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I was very, obviously, very pop culture-y, like... We liked, like my mom always wanted us to have sort of the uh, homemade costumes, you know, sort of a the gender, like a thing, like like a scarecrow yeah. or, or something, you know, like that. And and I, you know, when you're little, you just hate it. I'm like, I just want that plastic <laughs> mask with that terrible plastic oh, yeah. like apron that comes down. And it's not even like, it doesn't even look like a costume. It, it would just say like Tweety Bird across the front. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like that, was the, that was it. So we loved those. And I think they were relatively cheap. So we picked out a lot of those over the uh, over the years. But I don't I don't know if I actually have like a favorite one from those times. I know like I did later on as an adult, I did get some like expensive like Star Wars stuff so that, <laughs> you know, it's like a real Jedi robe. Well, real. <laughs> a Jedi robe. And then <laughs> it's real to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but growing up, it used to always be, uh, yeah, the, the plastic mask, stuff. the hot, oh. sweaty plastic oh, mask. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. You, you yeah. said the plastic mask that made me think of another one. I was... When I was in preschool, I was Chip from Chippendale Rescue nice. Rangers. Nice. And there's a picture of me in like my school parade with that corny mask over my face, the Chip from Chippendales or Chippendale. Yes, that's <laughs> different. Chippendales is a much different thing. <laughs> yeah, just a bow tie <laughs> for that one. <yeah. laughs> uh, so do you... Do you participate in the co- uh, dressing up as costumes in costumes as an adult, Kelly? Um, you know, I think the I think the last couple of years it's just been a mask, and that's mm. just out of not having time <laughs> to do anything else. <laughs> um, I do not. Well, the have... cool thing now you can probably use your costume as a tax write off, right? It's true. Research. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, you can get super elaborate with yours. You know, I probably could. And maybe ne- maybe I ought to start planning next year's right now. There you yeah. go. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, what I not as much. I'm 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 disappointed and disappointing. Um, <laughs> but what about you guys? I don't I don't like to. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I really do like it through the kids eyes. Like for me, like I don't have kids myself, but uh, whether it's just trick or treaters coming to the door or you go to someone who's having a party, like I think that's great when you see the kids and it's cute and it's appealing. Like, 
you know, when you see a 40-year-old man in his Jedi costume, it starts to get a little sad. And, you know, I mean, it's a lot of fun. And maybe that's better for Comic-Con than Halloween. Uh, But, uh, like, unless I could, you know, really figure out a fantastic costume that makes sense. I I don't really go to many Halloween parties or anymore. And again, if I do, it, it tends to be around like my friend's kids or, you know, or early in the day or something like that. So no, I haven't dressed up for, I can't remember the last time I dressed up for, for Halloween. Uh, you know, I can remember the last time I dressed up because it mm-hmm. was like three days ago. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Um, I actually, so Jared was down visiting Southern California and he coincidentally got a hotel just across from where I work. Um, but on one of the days I had tickets to go take my nephew to this, like, uh, it was like a symphony concert where they played a lot of the villains music from films. So they played like the Darth Vader Imperial March. They did some Harry Potter music. Um, but I took my, and this was around the corner from where Jared was staying. So we made a pit stop. I was dressed up as Han Solo, and I took my four-year-old nephew who was dressed up as Kylo Ren. He was much cuter than I was, but we made a pit stop over to see Jared. And so that's a long answer to say that, yes, I still dress up when I have the opportunity. Nice. That's good. So, yeah, I mean, there are plenty of opportunities, especially living in L.A., uh, Mark. I'm sure you have uh, plenty of opportunities to dress up for things. Yeah. Well, there's always a convention somewhere. And like that's a nice excuse to do it. Um, I think like my quick go to costume is still Ninja Turtles, where I have like a T-shirt where the front is like their shell and the back is their the hard part of their shell. Right. And then just like tie a colored bandana around your forehead and you're good to go. Hmm. There you go. I guess so. Yeah. So Kelly, aside from Halloween, then, um, did you have a love for the, um, I guess horror movies? I don't know. I mean, that covers a big base, uh, but was film part of this sort of, uh, creepy passion? (laughs) Absolutely. I grew up Catholic and I went to Catholic school. So I feel like there's always this, this, uh, or there was always this need to sort of explore the forbidden, if you will. Uh huh. Sure. Um, I have several very formative memories of, of watching films I wasn't allowed to watch behind the couch <laughs> while my parents were sitting there at night. I'd sneak out of my room. And one of those movies was House Two. Oh. And I call that my, that's my official horror route in that it was the first film that actually really scared me in a deep way. I, <laughs> I, I had this memory. There's a scene in uh, where Slim, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, it's, I mean, the house one and two aren't particularly great films. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of a, a symptom of horror, <laughs> horror in general. Uh, sure. But for people who enjoy the genre, uh, th- they are a lot more, enjoyable so were they kind of comedic uh, yes. horror was it okay that's what i remember from the first one. i i don't think i i think i saw the first one not the second one but that was so long ago i mean you must have been that was watching that on 87 video that was yeah, the okay, year I was gonna say. that was the year i was a california ra- raisin or no that would have been it's <laughs> a good year i know right 87, 86, 87, 88, you know. Can I ask how old you were at at that? Yeah, so I'm 36. I was born in 81. So I would have been, depending on when the movie came out, 
yeah, I would have been six when the movie came out. Yeah. Hmm. Um, there's a scene where this this Slim character, his name is Slim, and he's sort of the villain, if you will, mm-hmm. the bad guy. Uh, has a he he's a, a decaying skeleton, so he's got fleshy bits. <laughs> but uh, there's a scene where he's in the window, and the lightning flashes, and uh, I had nightmares after that, where I'd wake up in my dream, and he'd be outside my window. Uh, so that's what I was, that was the first film that scared me. It's kind of hilarious because it's not a scary movie. Uh, but when you see things as a kid, you know, they're different. Oh, oh, absolutely. Well, it's funny because I mean, I can't speak totally for Jared, but for me, at least I am such a pansy when it comes to scary movies (laughs) and even way more so obviously when I was younger, I was always a fan because my mom was a, she was an aerobics instructor. So she was really into dance. And through that, we had the Michael Jackson thriller on VHS. And I remember one day she, I went to her, one of her aerobics classes and they didn't have daycare at the time, but since she was the instructor, they had, um, she had access to that daycare room. So I brought a little handful of VHS tapes to watch there. And for some reason I chose that one and I put it in and I started crying immediately and I was pounding oh, on yeah. the door. I couldn't figure out how to unlock it. And it oh, was uh, oh, no. no fun for me. Oh, that was a whole experience though. Yeah. That's traumatic. You were scared yeah. and you couldn't yeah. well, leave. No. That's intense. That's intense. But that's I the movie I, I had see. seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had seen it before, but just those circumstances, like it was completely different where I didn't have the comfort of my parents or older brother or something. Yeah. When I was young, like, especially at a certain age, it, like eighties was a great time for horror films, like yes. for like across the board, I think. And yeah. it was very like, you kind of constantly felt pressure to see these things, you know, like kids would see them. And like my parents didn't care what we saw. We saw way inappropriate things at a young <laughs> age, but, um, you know, so they weren't like monitoring what movies we went to or anything. And, and I never particularly liked them, but yet I was kind of drawn to them. Like when Poltergeist came out, it's like everybody saw Poltergeist and that mm-hmm. thing just like, it took me so long to watch that whole scene where he peels off his face in front of the mirror. Like I was, a, <laughs> I was well into my adult years before I could actually <laughs> I just Sit watched that, that again, and it's it's yeah. totally un- unnerving. It's um, it, uh, yeah. So I would get like I don't know why, like it would stick with me so much of that stuff. So I would try to avoid it, but then I would see these. Like we saw Amityville Horror when we were really little, and that was just Ooh. too much. Like yeah, we were scared of everything. We saw Jaws. We were scared to go on the lake. Oh, I saw. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do so, they What do they call that? Where you're afraid of the ocean? It's uh, uh common stupid. sense. <laughs> I know, right? That's actually like one of my. I, I'm not af- afraid of too many things, but I, I definitely am afraid of open water. We were just in mm-hmm. Belize in this past December, and yeah. it took a lot for me to just go out to where I couldn't touch the bottom of yeah. the floor and uh, the ocean floor anymore. I was just like, mm, oh no. uh, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> like when people go swimming off of boats way out there. Oh I God, could not, no. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I love manatees and they're so peaceful, but if it, there was mm-hmm. one next to me and it touched me. I don't think I'd be okay with that. They're they're not they're not predatorial. They're not you know aggressive toward humans. But it's the touching yeah. of the legs and the feet yeah. that just whew, no. And yeah. you're just so out of control in the water. Like that's what I hate. It's like you are so vulnerable. Oh yeah. In, in that wide open water. <laughs> Ugh. 
Philosophobia. There you go. That's the word. Philosophobia. <laughs> so, nope. It's called uh, Oceans Equal Nope for Kelly. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good rule so to live by. Other than House 2, uh, was there was there something that was um, like maybe that you saw later on that was sort of impactful for you? Or were you just sort of a, a fan of the genre uh, after being so terrified at a young age by that? Well, I saw uh, I saw Halloween before I saw House 2, mm-hmm. but that wasn't particularly scary to me. Um, Suspenseful. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, and I think it's one of those films that um, that you appreciate as as you grow older. Halloween. Uh-huh. That's one of my favorite horror films. It's kind of cliched. A lot of people say that's their favorite, but it's so well done. And reminder to everyone, next year the new the new Halloween is coming out. Uh yeah, with she's coming back for that, that, right? One. I think Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back for, for that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to sort of ignore the uh the canon <laughs> of the films as they exist currently, you know. Um, um so it's gonna kind of take off after the second one where the second one left off, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, interesting. I think 2018 is going to be a banner year for Halloween and horror. So, Oh, good for you. That's my prediction. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite slasher? Oh, you know what? These questions are so hard for me. Favorite anything. I agree. Damn. You know, I've got, I've got, Sleepaway Camp will always hold a special place in my heart mm. uh, for a number of reasons. Other slasher films, like, too many to name, you know? Yeah. I yeah. Uh, I wish I were better prepared for that answer, but... <laughs> I know that's a, that is, I, yeah, I hate that favorites question, too. But was there, um, like, what... Do you like just kind of across the board, or is there a certain type of film that you like? Like, for me, like, the Nightmare, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and those kind of things, that always got... Like after the first one, it gets like crazy silly. And so I kind of check out. <laughs> sure. Uh, but like, is there like uh, a particular genre within the genre that you like? Or is it just specific movies? Another another tough question. Um, <laughs> I have not. Um, let me think about that for. I like classics. And oh, do. I do. I, I like classics. They're completely different. I can't pinpoint where exactly things changed. I think like Universal Monsters. Yeah, classic? yeah, and okay. then you know Vincent Price, Christopher mm-hmm. Lee, Hammer horror yeah. films, uh, and then at, you know, speaking of Hammer, there's that point at which things started to put, to sort of um, wander into that cult exploitation mm-hmm. sort of genre of things, and that's yeah. where you see the segue from that into films like. Texas Chainsaw, and then you get into the slashers. So there's that kind of weird sweet spot where, like, like I I use Hammer as an example, uh, Mm. where it's like the the classic Dracula, but with a twist, you know? Right. Um, Right. I really appreciate and love those. But slashers are great, obviously. (laughs) I know that a, a lot of people say that films suck in general now, contemporary, <laughs> contemporary films. But I do think that we've gotten quite a few gems in the last, you know, five or so years. And I'm, I'm actually looking forward to to what happens next with the genre. Yeah, there seems to be kind of a renaissance of, of things happening that where, where these films are getting big and like multiple, mm-hmm. uh, you know, episodes of them. And yeah, and I don't know when that started to happening. I know like paranormal activity kind of 
you know, woke some stuff up. Blair yeah. Witch did too, way back then. Oh, did you like guys it, like that? see that in the theater? I did, yeah. almost threw up. <laughs> I saw that, uh, I think, four times when it came out. and uh, Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, I was one of the lucky were, ones. I didn't get sick. Yeah. Were, were you a believer of, like, this was a true found tapes thing? Yeah, you know. I know they didn't. They didn't release that it wasn't until right. like a little bit later. Right. And that was right on the cusp of, of, of that time where. Internet tum. Yeah. Um, I guess, I, I guess I am t- supposedly a millennial, which I do not agree with whatsoever. <laughs> um, on a couple of different things, I guess, I guess there's some argument as to when that began, you know, mm-hmm. when the starting point for millennials is. But well, when I was in high school growing up in, in Yuma, Arizona, which is a very small town in Arizona on the border of Mexico and California, mm-hmm. um, most people have never heard of it, but it's the third largest city in the state. It's in the middle of the desert. Everything was behind. So think of Napoleon Dynamite, how that, wherever he lived, I think it was yeah, supposed yeah. to be Iowa or Idaho or something. And yeah, they were like yeah. constant, they were like five, six, seven years behind the rest of the world. <laughs> that was us, right? I, I didn't grow up with a cell phone in high school. When we when I took typing class, it was on a key, on a keyboard or keyboard, a processor, a word processor, not a, a computer. So when that mm. movie came out and I saw it, there was no word of mouth. Nobody was like, ah, oh, it's not real. So yeah, we all kind of thought it was <laughs> until we until we found out it wasn't, and then you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> relief, but also kind of sadness because right. if you're one of, one of those people like me that likes the paranormal and you're always constantly hoping that there will be some weird breakthrough where ghosts are real, you know, or whatever, you know, <laughs> but absolutely, that film was like the perfect moment in time, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So good. Did, are you watching uh, Lore on Amazon Prime? I haven't started that, but it's on. Have a, you listened to the podcast? I have. I, so, yes. I, it's a pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know idea. I guess for a show where Jared, are you familiar with it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's good. Like the, this is so mean. The content <laughs> is very good. I, I have a hard time with his speaking voice. He has a oh, very that is the worst part for specific sure. <laughs> way of talking. Um, and he's toned it down a little bit in the, in the Netflix series, which I don't know, maybe someone's telling him to, Oh no. Um, but yeah, but uh, other than that, but I do listen to it pretty regularly because it, it goes into a lot of like the history, like the creepy yeah, history stuff, not so much it. contemporary, but um, yeah, nice. I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, okay. Pod, it, yeah. It's a good one. Like I do listen to some true crime stuff, but some of that gets a little grim. So his is always kind of like light, like just enough yeah. creepy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the couple of times I have listened, yeah. You know, we've had some other designers and illustrators on before, and it seems like some of the stuff that they're into growing up has kind of influenced where they end up as adults. Absolutely. Uh, we had Cole. We had Cole Roberts on before, nice. and he was really into music yeah. and in a band, and that whole music scene kind of influenced him as a designer and illustrator. Um, you are also a designer and illustrator. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your background and interest in the spooky and creepy has influenced your work as a designer illustrator? Sure. Absolutely. Now, not so much when I was 
like in grad school, for instance, and uh, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, which I, I wish I would have in retrospect, you know, we, hindsight is, is 2020. I sometimes I joke it's 2015 because I'm like, damn, I really wish, <laughs> really wish I hadn't done that or um, <laughs> would have done things differently. Uh, I went to School of the Art Institute of Chicago, which is actually a very prestigious um, mm-hmm. um, school for graduate and undergraduate uh, studies. And I, I felt a little like I needed to be an academic there and not an artist. Hmm. So a lot of the work I did, I don't like at all in pursuit of my degree. <laughs> Wasn't anything like what I'm doing now, which is good because I don't think I could have sustained trying to <laughs> pretend like I was that that person that I was in grad school, if that makes sense. So I wonder if you could explain that a little. Like uh, what were you sort of like heavily like the research was more was more <laughs> uh you know exciting than the actual art piece or like how how did how are you being academic uh, within this program yeah so i think everybody it kind of walks not everybody i met some really great people there but a lot of people yeah. walk around with their nose in the air how do i explain this how do i explain <laughs> this so the degree i got was in visual communication design but it was very heavily um conceptually based. So they encouraged mm-hmm. us to re- be really heady and, and, and think of things differently. And, uh, you know, it was almost like, what am I doing? Am I learning how to be a designer? Absolutely not, which was right. bizarre. My thesis project for my MFA was a big fuck you to the, <laughs> to the department that I was in, to mm-hmm. the school kind of a little, and then to everybody else in my life who told me, oh, you shouldn't be an artist or, you know, maybe that was the beginning of the point at which I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to do whatever I want in my time outside of when I need to start my career. So just really quick, my, my thesis was a, was a sort of a speculative imaginary piece about a, a group of, it was like a gang that was made up of really rough and tumble lesbians and they would go around and kick the butts of guys that did you know it was just like a weird girl gang thing which is actually kind of a popular concept right now you yeah, see a lot of say, artists yeah. like tuesday bassin and other mm-hmm. folks doing the girl gang thing uh so was this like a graphic novel or was it a paper no, or was it uh, it was i i really don't know what it was to this day <laughs> i don't particularly <laughs> like it it was kind of thrown together at the last minute but um I, you know, I think I went to school because the economy sucked. We were still in a recession. I was like, if I can't get a job, maybe I should just go to school for a little bit longer. You know? Yeah. I did that. And then my first job right after I graduated was Target. I went to work folding clothes at Target. It's (laughs) kind of funny because the tar there was a Target in downtown Chicago on State Street, Uh which is very close to where campus was. And I was always kind of humiliated because I'm like, God damn, I'm working at Target and I just graduated from SAIC. <laughs> what? You know, uh, I was like, I thought for sure that this MFA from SAIC would, would get me like buku job offers. Oh, no, right. not the case. So what, when you went into the art program initially and then eventually did this MFA uh, and then graduated, what, what was uh, your vision of what kind of an artist you were going to be? Like, did you think you were just going to be a designer at a firm or yeah. That's what I thought. I thought I'd do the the typical career arc where you start at a firm and then maybe Mm -hmm. you realize after some time and you've you've honed your skills that you would do freelance, right? I thought that would be the natural progression of things. 
the market in Chicago is extremely um, competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of a lot about networking. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I found out really soon that the, the things that were available to me were things that I hated. I had, uh-huh. I worked at Target for a bit and then I had an internship at a firm that was okay. I learned some things, yeah. but they were almost exclusively um, commercial real estate. And I was like, oh, kill me. You know, yeah. I can't do any more uh, publications for a new high rise opening downtown that <laughs> needs an identity and some kind of, you know, oh, this is like the swinginest place to live. No, I couldn't. Yeah. Um, after that, I had some terrible, terrible jobs. I worked for I, I, I can't name some of these. Not that it matters, but I worked for right, right. <laughs> um, a wedding designer that that location here in Chicago, oddly enough, was right across the street from the uh, Church of Scientology. Oh, which oh, awesome! Right, <laughs> which my next no, my previous gig was uh, <clears throat> for a very brief period of time was um, kind of like an I don't know if you guys are familiar with Est E S T. No, it's like an I'm offshoot not. of Scientology. Oh, oh. but uh, this particular organization <laughs> was kind of like Est. And that was kind of like their methodology. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, I'm working for for like a, a mini cult, a pseudo cult. Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, I can't How do this exciting. anymore. And then I got that job with the wedding designer. And I'm like, this is following me. Is this a sign? You know, yeah. <laughs> I got a job at a toy company that was terrible. Everybody there was just, it was not fun. <laughs> Were you, so you, you speak about a lot of, um, bad examples of work that you didn't really enjoy. Were you able to take anything positive from those Ooh, or yeah. any learning experiences? Absolutely. I, I know for sure that as much as I speak ill of those experiences, <laughs> they were formative and they were what mm-hmm. helped get me to where I am today. The job that I had before Creepy Co. was a children's book publisher. You guys know those uh, noise books they make it? They're like almost exclusively at Barnes & Noble in the discount section. It's like uh-huh. a book, and it has a little panel on the side with buttons. Right. Push the button. Yeah. There's one company that makes those almost exclusively, and I worked for them. Um, it was okay in the beginning, but then I just really grew to, you know, it was, it was just a job. It was a nine-to-five job. Strangely enough, a lot of people that worked at that particular place went on to do really great things. So. Yeah. It must be like a, uh, what do you call that? A breeding ground. Yeah, a breeding ground for like, (laughs) I don't know, for success later in life. I don't know. Maybe it was just soul crushingly (laughs) bad that you're like, what can I possibly do to escape this, right? Um, But absolutely. And some of the things that I I know about manufacturing, what we do at Creepy Co. now, are things that I learned by observing at that last job, sure. you know? So, yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a ton of bad jobs and I don't think I realized even how bad they were until I was kind of more recently and doing what I wanted to be doing. Uh, Cause you kind of thought, well, maybe this is just how it is, right? right? Like maybe yeah. everybody kind of hates their job and <laughs> you have to do everything on your off time and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, you know, certainly perspective helps with that. So, so then we will leave the dark time for you because I'm so excited. <laughs> I know, right? I'm just sitting here. Well, <laughs> no, cause, cause we should talk about creepy company because yeah. it's so cool. And like, so then how did like, maybe that still dips back into some of these bad times, but like, how did you 
how did you start going in that direction to where you could launch a, a company like this? Every once in a while, I have those those moments where you are. It's like a you know where you don't know that you're awake. It's kind of like a dream. Yeah. Like, and the, you asking me that question was like a, a moment here where I was just like, really? Or <laughs> is somebody really asking me this question? Because. <laughs> When I Creepy Co started from literally nothing, everything does. Mm -hmm. But it was a confluence of a number of things uh, coming together that you know that just God, I don't know. Some people are like, "Are you a luck person?" I'm like, "I I don't know." I I suppose it was a combination of luck, timing, and being sort of enterprising. Um, Enamel pins. Let's talk about enamel pins for a minute. Sure. (laughs) So those they've been around forever. It's not a new thing. Yeah. And I feel like they, they their popularity goes and uh, sort of like waxes and wanes. I know yeah. growing up that my grandfather was in a number of um, organizations like the Elks Club and Kiwanis, uh, ty- Shriners mm-hmm. types, things, types of things, you know, Mason, Masonry, that type of thing. All of those organizations have pins that they trade with one another. Uh, minor League Baseball does that too. There are a bunch of weird groups that that make and trade pins. Uh, mm-hmm. So I always had, growing up, I'd look at my grandpa's pin collection. I'd be like, these are really cool. I really don't know what any of this means, but these are pretty yeah. sweet, you know? So when I heard that pins were a thing again, I was kind of like, well, that's interesting. I didn't, oh, you can make them? I didn't know you could do this. So one day I was like, well, I, I, I'd like a divine pin from Pink Flamingos, Babs Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I said, I don't see one, so I think I'll just make one. So I found a place where, you know, I could get 100 made. And I was like, okay, let's do this. So I made it. I put it up for sale on Big Cartel or something of the, of mm-hmm. the, yeah. the like. And um, I think it sold out in like a few days or something. It, was, it wasn't expected. It was just like a hobby sort of thing. Right. And then I made our second pin was the uh, Chompers, the vampire, plastic vampire mm-hmm. things. Yep. That was next. Um, that really resonated with people, and that sold out immediately too. Was so, this from the beginning creepy company, or was n- this a Kelly Taylor makes um, uh, pins? The d- company? <laughs> right, right. I, I like it. I <laughs> yeah, I know, you. right? Yes. Uh, the first one. The first one was, and then one day at work, I was like. You know, we're doing that fantasy thing where you're like, well, if I had a business, what would it be called? You know, <laughs> yeah, what would right. the name of this be? And I was sitting there thinking, and, and I had just read, read a book uh, called Creepiness. It's like a <laughs> f- philosophical treatise on, on creepiness and what that means. And in the book, the author talks about the idea that there is this fascination that people have with creepiness even if they say they don't like creepy right. things in people, they're secretly mm-hmm. infatuated with them. I think that's me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I think we, we all have that. There's something, yeah. something deeper there, you know. Um, that's why I like Mark. He creeps me out completely. But yet <laughs> I am still here doing a podcast. Right? You're, you're enamored by him. Yeah. And his yeah. creepiness. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that book was really great because he he goes through and he identifies these uh, pop cultural touchstones that are creepy, like the Burger King King, something innately Definitely. creepy about him, Steve yeah. Urkel, you know that creepy neighbor. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. just something about things that are creepy that uh, that people love. Yeah. So that 
the, the creepiness had been on my mind and I thought, well, what about creepy co? What does that mean? I don't know, but I like creepy stuff. So, <laughs> and let's call it co because it's kind of like Acme co, like, you know, mm-hmm. did I make, did I come up with a name expecting to be a company? Absolutely not. It was, yeah. uh, it was just a, um, what do they call that? Self-fulfilling prophecy, I think. Sure. So when you did that first divine pin uh, that you mentioned, you put it on Big Cartel. What what did you do to sell that thing? I mean, did you did you have a following on some other platform, or did you just start pushing this cool pin? Instagram, Instagram mm-hmm. has been integral in our growth yeah. as a company, and we got in right before the algorithm sort of ah. kind of changed everything for people. Yeah. Damn you! It's like the bane wow. <laughs> the bane of my existence currently. I think they I, sw- I think they tweaked it recently. Oh, really? Also, because they're always changing that. Yeah. Uh, but Instagram, uh, honestly, it was just a, a matter of going on Instagram, showing people, and and, that, and that's that's pretty much how, how it happened. Um, was this um, your personal account at this time, or, or did you create an account to sell this pin on the Big Cartel site? Uh, I created an account. I think I put okay. one post on my personal account that I no longer use, yeah. and, and then I made a creepy co-account. You guys hear that? Yikes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wow. They're coming for you. I know, right? (laughs) Our office is right next door to a a fire fire station. Oh, well, safe. Nice and safe. Yes, yes. (laughs) If there's ever somebody, a knife-wielding attacker running around indiscriminately (laughs) stabbing people, we can just run across the street if we make it that far. Um, But... um, You mentioned Instagram. Um, That's... That's how I found you guys. And I'm sure a ton of people, uh, other fans, that was like their entry point. I think I was almost trying to not follow you because it was a creepy thing. I'm like, oh, Halloween stuff and uh, slasher pins. I'm not into Mm -hmm. this. And then it kept like it was just always popping up. Other people posting it and tagging you. Yeah. um, Or what's the the finder feature in Instagram, oh, yeah, the popular page yeah. or whatever. You were like all over that. So like finally I gave in and it, yeah, I mean, I love it. And one thing that really stuck out with me was your branding. It's, it's really, really freaking good. And I'm super jealous because it looks so seamless. Um, but I guess that's what good branding is. And it, I mean, I wonder if you can just talk a little bit about your branding and at what point did you really start to think about what this company would look like? Sure, sure. Uh, thank you so, so much for the compliment, by the way. <laughs> Again, one of those moments where you're like, is this real life? Truth be told, I am my own worst critic. And I always kind of, don't tell anyone this, but <laughs> always kind of <laughs> hate the work that I do. And I think as a creative, a lot of, a lot of creatives are like that but that doesn't yeah. keep them from doing what they do. We have grown visually by leaps and bounds, so much so that when I find old files on my computer, I'm just like, oh, God, <laughs> what? What was I Who doing, that? right? That, that's awful. What was I doing? Um, even now, I think we have a lot of, of growth to do and a lot of things that I would like us to look like and to grow into, but I'm not going to let that stop me from doing, you know, kind of what we're doing in the moment. I like mid-century design. I like this bygone era of horror and 
Um, I think a lot of my interests shape what we do visually. So I, I like to tell people, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing on a day-to-day <laughs> basis. And I really don't. I'm just, I'm just doing it though. Uh, we have, we just hired Luke, our junior designer back in May. Was it May? Suze is in the office here with me, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> she says hi. Uh, it was, yeah, May. So he has really helped us to pick up some of, not, not pick up the slack. He's allowed us to do the work that Suze and I do without feeling like we absolutely want to die, right? Um, <laughs> so he, he does a lot of our social media. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm a, a horrible podcast guest because I really don't have these super (laughs) concrete answers, but maybe the fact that this is a very common sort of um, feeling or something that you go through. No, I think that's uh, very interesting, though. I think people are more comforted to hear something like this because a lot of times people either have something ready to go uh, that might not be exactly how things started, but they just know like, well, I'm not going to say that, you know. So I think it's good if people hear that because I feel that way all the time. Like I'm figuring it out as I go, Yes. Um, you know, and someone will say something in a phone call and be like, okay. And then I have to go look that up and say like, I have no idea what that was, but uh, I'm going (laughs) to figure that out right now. So I think a lot of people are in a very similar situation. You've just had uh, incredible success doing what you don't know how to do. So, (laughs) (laughs) so you have to give yourself that at least. uh, (laughs) Well, Right. Um, I, I like to remind people that it, a lot of people say, what do they say? Oh, I, I wish I could do what you do or mm-hmm. not that they're not that they're envious or, jeal- or jealous, but I, I think that this is all very accessible. And for someone like me who knows nothing about how business really works, I didn't go to school yeah. for that. And neither did Suze mm-hmm. that, that we're in a time right now where somebody can pick up and, and do something and create something for themselves if they're dedicated, put the effort in um, and do yeah. it and make it work, you know? Right, right. Uh, a lot of people are so disillusioned with the work they're doing or they want some kind of intersection between what I'm getting paid to do and what I enjoy doing uh, that they're cr- having to create that for themselves. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. fact that I can do it speaks a lot about what other people can potentially do. So if we could go back just a little bit, like you're selling these pins and I imagine that that is sort of the beginning and and, and it's just, uh, you know, eventually it's more pins or, uh, you know, maybe expanding the product line a little bit. Uh, there sort of comes a point, I think, with a lot of these kind of um, homegrown businesses where you kind of have to decide to commit or take some giant next step, like, okay, is this going to be a hobby or are we going to do this, this, you know, right. full force? Do, is there a point of that for you where you thought, I mean, not just maybe quitting a day job, but where you thought maybe mentally like, okay, I'm going to do this. I might not know everything, but I'm going to yeah. move forward with this. It is scary as hell. That's the first thing yeah. I'll say. I would imagine always. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Everything is scary, but this is probably this, pro- this was probably the scariest thing I've ever done because mm-hmm. when you, um, are postgraduate school and you, you need a paycheck to pay for the massive amounts of debt you racked up <laughs> going to school, you know, which is why you go to work at Target to tell yourself one day, I'm just going to go to work and tell them they can take a flying leap. <laughs> and then I'm just going to make pins 
and then <laughs> hope that this trend continues long yeah. enough that I can either find what my next step is going to be. Honestly, I didn't think that we I'd be sitting here two and a half years later um, right. employing my wife. You know, that was right. amazing that day that she decided she would quit her day job to do this. I mean, talk about mind blowing, but you just literally have, you just have to do it. You have to take, you have to jump off the cliff. You got to yeah. have that Indiana Jones moment where you're just like, oh, you know, <laughs> um, it, but, but if you fail, you will not die. <laughs> you know, right. exactly. um, there's not this infinite chasm that you leap into and it just, <laughs> or, I mean, there, there, I mean, there is no, I should say there is no bottom at which you'll hit and die. Uh, if you fall, you continue to fall until maybe you come back. I don't, I really don't know, yeah. but you nope. get a target, a target shaped safety net. Exactly. <laughs> um, am I, am I, uh, people say blessed, right? Hashtag blessed. Um, <laughs> I am extremely, I don't know what the word is, not privilege. But yeah, let's just say bless. I'm blessed. Sure. And I get to, sure. to do this. <laughs> Yeah. People say, oh, I want to do what you do. And I immediately say, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, hang on. I think we have another fire truck. Coming Emergency the... coming through. Okay. Yeah. Oh. They're coming back from wherever they were. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so when you did make that thing and you got to go into your job and have that very, you know, the satisfaction of telling them I'm all done here. Um, yeah. Was that something you planned? Was it sort of spontaneous? Did you say, oh, if we make so much this year, I'm going to quit in July? Or, or was it more like, forget it, I'm done, I don't want to go to work today? Well, here's the crazy thing. I, I'd been working at the, the job I was at the children's book publisher for, I think it was just under a year, just under a mm -hmm. year. And things were getting kind of crappy. There were some mean people there. I'd come home and I'd tell Suze, well, so-and-so today told me X, Y, and Z. And she, she was just like, I can't believe that. Uh, this is some really nasty people to work with. But one day, I think this was after, after the, well, I don't know how, what pin we would have been on. All I know is it was about two and a half to three months into making and selling uh -huh. where, no, scratch that back up. I was, ha <laughs> I was having dinner one night with Suze at the table and I, I kept saying, I was like, you know what? I think we can do something with this creepy co thing. And she would tell me, you know, no, it, this is not a good time. We have bills to pay. It's too, <laughs> too risky. And the idea is too nebulous. So I would continue to poke and prod her, you know, oh, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> this is working, right? It's working, please. Um, but the, something that happened at work was the precipitating event where I told her, uh, somebody at work was being really crappy to me. And she said, you know what? Fuck it. Just go to, go there tomorrow and tell them you're done. Although Suze is reminding me, she says that she said, when we, when we reach X amount of revenue, you'll be able to right. quit. So I guess, I guess we reached it. <laughs> Suze handles all of the, the, the money and numbers because my brain's yeah. not wired for that. So, <laughs> so she's like the, the little, uh, temperature gauge, ding, ding, ding. Okay. We can do it. Uh, so I went into work the next day and I was like, I'm going to walk out of here. You know, you can, you can go to hell. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to exit the building and it's going to blow up behind me and I'm going to be like slow motion walking away. <laughs> that, that did not happen. Came the end of the day uh, and I wrote it. I wrote an email to, to HR and I said, 
I'm not coming back tomorrow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't say I'm sorry. I said this job is no longer mutually beneficial, meaning I don't like you and you don't like the work I'm doing for you because I don't enjoy it. So right, right. Um, <laughs> deuces, as they say. And that's <laughs> and that and that was that. And the rest is history. Did you have to like? Did you just take all your stuff home that night from your, I did, from your desk? And my, I did. <laughs> and my cubicle was—it wasn't like super decorated, but I had some really cool stuff, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I did. I waited until everyone was gone, because right. it's not like they kicked you out. I, I believe that there was somebody always in the building um, because of the ver- like various things that were happening. So yeah. this it was a massive building. It was like a football field long. It was crazy. But yeah, I, t- I, p- I put all my stuff in a box and I, I, I looked around to make sure nobody was watching and I just walked away into the sunset. <laughs> and so at, like after that, like that's huge and that's very exciting, but kind of scary. Uh, did that <laughs> sort of further light the fire for you to make this thing work? Sure. Absolutely. Was it yeah. was it scary though at, at first, or or were you just so pumped at that point that you like forget it doesn't matter, gonna move forward? I think at first it was really exhilarating, like like yeah. you describe, where you're like um, this I'm invincible and untouchable, and then <laughs> then things start to happen. Whereas you as you grow, you you know you have to make you have to spend money to make money. So when mm-hmm. you're seeing, man, I'm I'm really I'm really putting out the cash for for X Y and Z not only um, product, but shipping. We were doing everything in the beginning, every single thing yeah. out of our home. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So I would, not only would I do the the product design, social media, website, um, I'd be shipping, I'd be answering customer emails. I And Suze was helping me while she had a full-time job still for a year mm-hmm. until we were able to finally hire somebody on part-time to help us sh- ship at least because... That first Christmas season, I distinctly remember, I think it was up until three or four in the morning packing orders. And I had like a miniature breakdown, like mental breakdown where I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't (laughs) do it all. So we, we hired someone to help us at least ship. Yeah. You don't get into this, uh, hoping to fill stacks and stacks of envelopes and boxes. Right. And you know, (laughs) well, it's a good product or problem to have, mm -hmm. but that's not why you agree to do this stuff. What were some of the, the first products you offered after pins? Um, cause now you have a pretty wide variety of products available, but how many pins did you have to design before you realized you wanted to move on to something else? And what was that something else? Yeah, so that's a that's a, a good question, one I enjoy answering. I, I do because that was pins are such like a, a, a zeitgeist thing, right? And we we caught it right on that uptick in popularity. So um, yeah. we did a bunch of pins, and these were all bootleg, mind you, um, <laughs> and which we did get in trouble for. <laughs> We're right there with you too. (laughs) Oh yeah, which I, you know, honestly don't have a problem at all with the concept of of bootleg. It's kind of a a difficult thing, an idea of fan art. You know, Mm -hmm. it only starts to become a problem when when you're growing and people are taking notice, which Mm -hmm. they did. Uh, We got a a cease and desist from a um, a very big studio, and we were forced to take down I think six or so items, mm-hmm. they were all pins. And yeah. I remember getting that email and I just wanted, I was like, this is it, the jig is up, it's over. 
<laughs> oh. You know, I was. <laughs> well, that's either when you realize you've made it or that it's all over. Right. I think that was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not sure how this happened. They have people monitoring the, the internet all the time. Yeah. And they, for whatever reason, um, thought we were, our, our bootlegging was egregious enough that it was, uh, you know, <laughs> we did, we did answer that with the, you know, we took our products down uh, and then sort of, sort of changed the way we started to think about things. But even though it was bad news, it was kind of a catalyst for change for us because mm-hmm. I was kind of like, okay, well, what does it take to license a product? Let's look into that and see if we can make that happen. And, and, and we've done that, right? Which comes with its own unique set of headaches and learning experiences. Well, I think that's a good, that's a great transition though, too, because I think like licensing is huge mm-hmm. uh, and it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a beast, mm-hmm. no matter which side you're on, because you're kind of on both sides uh, in, in a way here. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if you could tell, like, how did you like, so you've got this company, you've got a, you've got your own product. Mm-hmm. And so now you're looking to expand to existing properties. Yeah. And, and these are just not another artist that's going to come in and create something. You're actually going to go to these big companies. I mean, yeah. you guys have like goosebumps and uh, garbage pail kids, things like that. Yeah. How what did you do? Like, how did you know what to do? Did you just blindly go into it or was someone advising you on how to approach these companies? Yeah, nobody, nobody was helping. Um, <laughs> Which um, is even more impressive. It's, it's difficult, but it's not. I consider what, if, if you were to ask me what my talents are, I've always said, like, is the internet a talent? I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> it is. there's a certain amount of if, if you really want to find something, you can go and, and look for it. It might take some digging. <clears throat> it's not going to all be mm-hmm. presented to you on a silver platter. But if you can start to, to look for the right search terms and qualifying words, you can, you can start to find the information that you want or at least someone who will know the answer. One thing I did not do was ask people who were already doing licensing because I felt uh-huh. like that was kind of like a trade secret. And it is to some degree. There are certain things I yeah. won't tell you, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's not unattainable by any any means. We have Halloween. That was one of the big ones for us, for me personally. Like you said, Goosebumps, GPK. Some of these places you reach out and ask them and they're like, sure. And other places are it's really hard. There's a barrier. There's a team that says yes and no to everything that you do. And if you go mm-hmm. into licensing thinking that oh, I'll be able to do anything I want. Right. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's a bummer. That's kind of soul crushing. Yeah. When you're working with uh, some of these licenses, um, I mean, you just mentioned that there's a team on their side that's kind of filtering what they're allowing you to produce. Is it Was it difficult to work with these brands and still stay true to your own branding? Yeah, that's a constant struggle. Uh, I will say that the folks that ha- own the Halloween license are, it's a family affair. It's been in the mm-hmm. um, Akkad family for since the beginning. What they, they, they're very committed to a certain uh, look and feel. So there are certain things that they will and right. won't do. A lot of times you'll sign an agreement and it's a lot, uh, licenses are a lot of money. Uh, but but you also are sort of restricted on, on the items that you can make. So sometimes we'll make a pin and somebody will say, well, I could, or what about a shirt or a, you know, a print or, and I have to say, unfortunately, we don't, we don't have the allowance to do that, you know, 
So that's always kind of sucky, you know. <laughs> For Halloween, we 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 are only doing shirts and pins because that's what we have as part of our agreement. Can that change? Right. Absolutely, but we need to do some more growing before we, you know, we're. I always say we're not Funko. <laughs> Fun, yeah. I think Funko yeah. has the single most, the single largest license portfolio of oh. any. I just assume it's everything. Uh, me too. That's I can't that's imagine it. someone saying, no, thanks, Funko. Oh, no, no. We'll pass. Yeah, that's never. also true. Ne- oh, yeah. Never. Never. Maybe one day. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. But, I'm, but I also don't want every license under the sun. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah. There's- so you have to be somewhat selective with who you actually approach as well. Do you remember the first uh, – well, I'm sure you do. But what was the first – um, officially licensed product you were able to produce? Yeah, the first one was, the first license we ever got was Vincent Price, I believe. Oh, cool. And Victoria, cool. Those are great he, pins. Yeah, oh yeah. That design was Mitch O'Connell, super great guy. Uh, I, I knew, the first time I ever learned about Mitch was back in, right after high school, so this would have been 2000 for me, reading Juxtapose magazine in, mm-hmm. in Yuma, Arizona, and seeing Mitch, <laughs> and then... I have all these full circle moments in life where I'm just like, what? I met I yeah. met him at Flashback Weekend convention in Chicago, and and he agreed to do that pin, and I was just like, really? Are you sure? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he lives he just he lives not too far from where where we live oh, here. Oh wow! So so Juxtapose magazine must have seemed like a different planet to you at that point. Like how how did you stumble upon that? Oh, absolutely! Just in, the, in the bookstore. Yeah, so again, we're going back to the whole Napoleon Dynamite uh, thing, right? (laughs) Where you're like, oh, living in Yuma, Arizona. The internet is totally new and Mm. doesn't have the the wealth of information that it does now. It was the library, but it was also Hastings, books and entertainment, which they just went under, actually. So there is no Hastings in Yuma anymore, which is sad because that was the late night jam for all of us growing up. Because they were open till midnight. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was one of the latest uh, locations open in Yuma. Uh, Yeah, that was Tower Records for us. We'd go to Tower Records because they'd Mm -hmm. be open super late. Yeah. So, yeah, what do you guys want to do? Let's just go to Hastings. (laughs) You know, let's wander the aisles and look at CDs and and books. I don't know. Hastings and Barnes & Noble, I think, both carry juxtapose. And when I found it, it was... It was eye-opening because it was the whole lowbrow art scene, mm-hmm. right? But I've always been into counterculture as much as it was available to me in Yuma. Uh-huh. Uh, I was in a punk band in high school. and oh, I mean, the, I mean okay. there were things, you know, that you could get because we lived within three hours of Phoenix, north of us, and San Diego, um, south of us. So if oh, you right. needed something, you could always go to one of those cities yeah. and get it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys, my brain's not working tonight. No, I'm sorry. I, I derailed us with that question, but you were talking about the Vincent Price pins and, and oh, moving forward with that first license. That's right. oh. Yeah. No, that's great. It's like a trip down memory lane and a reminder of part, <laughs> a part of the reason why I do this, right? Yeah, so the, the design is amazing. Uh, we work directly with Victoria, his daughter, and she's amazing. She's a busy woman. That's another thing with licensing sure, yeah. is that if the person who who does the approvals is not there for whatever reason. Um, things get delayed or put off, and that's kind of one of the one of the less exciting things about about that. 
I, I, I feel like a lot of times people probably look at us, especially with our recent news of Hot Topic, Barnes & Noble at Box Lunch, and they're like, sellouts. You know, <laughs> speaking of juxtaposed counterculture, lately I've been thinking like, oh, do people think we're selling out? That's that's a tough one for me. I don't think licensing is selling out. I don't. I don't think grow. I don't think growing is selling out. I think there's a ways that you can no. frame uh, how your brand brand grows that embraces that right. That leaning to capitalistic, you know, endeavors, but also be true to community and uh, focus on that aspect. Like I see yeah. Funko as a powerhouse, and everybody knows what a Funko Pop is. And I, I have great respect for them. I'm not a particularly huge Funko Pop fan. So then with those, uh, with the Vincent Price project, was it a fairly easy process for that first going out? Or was it, a, you know, did you know what to expect? Or were you kind of figuring it out as you navigated uh, this particular uh, company or family? Yeah. Thankfully, our entry into licensing was a pretty painless one. Yeah. Because it's just Victoria. We've only done that one design. We did a print, mm -hmm. we did the shirt design and pin design. That's all we've done so far. Uh, mm -hmm. But we've had some other things in the works, some very exciting things, uh, some very yeah. different things. <laughs> um, but that takes time to concept, yeah. get approval, manufacture. So one thing I always fret about, I'm, I'm, I know sometimes we're missing a lot from social media or we don't haven't put a whole lot of new things out it's because there's stuff going on in the background yeah. we're mm -hmm. acquiring yeah. licenses big licenses long long game sort of licenses doing long game planning that sort of thing so i always i always worry that people think we're you know we're like oh is creepy co becoming irrelevant no we're just you know we're working. just working yeah. on the back end <laughs> of things a lot of times licenses you'll get them anywhere from a year to three year, years you know Mm -hmm. So they're there yeah. for a long time. Do you find the process is similar uh, across the board or does it vary wildly just depending on like the company or the size of the company? Yeah, it, do it does vary. Like with Victoria, you should meet her an email and be like, you like it? Sweet. Let's do it. <laughs> Whereas uh, Scholastic has, mm -hmm. they stick out in my mind because they make you fill out a form for each individual design you do to submit uh, so that I adds a, a little bit of tedium to the to the work right. you know which is necessary for their right. the administrative right. end of things but it's yeah it's all over the map really okay the licenses that are family owned uh, vincent price cheney the cheney estate the uh, Bela lugosi estate mm -hmm. those are always a joy to work with because it literally is like what, what kind of cool things can we do yeah. For this license. Yeah. And okay, let's do it, you know? So th those are great. And 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 it's their family members. Uh, a lot of times Bela Lugosi's son is is he's he's uh, alive and kicking it and his daughter is the one who his granddaughter is the one who does all of the um administrative back end is business sort of things for them and and I'm always just like I'm I know um consorting with the living heirs of these legends you know so mm -hmm. yeah that's way cool as as you continue to grow um and you've mentioned a ton of different officially licensed products you've worked with do you think you are more interested in leaning towards doing more officially licensed product or are you guys 
trying to start um, producing more of your own IPs, your own intellectual properties. So I know you have Bosco yeah, yeah. is your own little character. You have the Chomper Teeth, which has become a very iconic mm -hmm. um, illustration and graphic. Yeah. Um, you have the Future Ghosts. Mm -hmm. Are you going to try and produce more of your own IPs or kind of tiptoe both of the lines, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. We want to maintain a balance there. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really excited about Bosco because there's a lot of potential there. We have a lot of right. a lot of things we're kicking around in the in the background, idea wise for for what that means and what it can be. But as far as licenses go, uh, absolutely, we're we're constantly reaching out to people. Uh, we've got a few exciting things that are happening, like I said, behind the scenes that are are really going to change the game for us even more than they have recently. I wish I could tell you more. I hate having to keep a secret. I'm the worst. Uh, I'm the worst of it. That's all right. We'll we'll just have to have you back on know, for the right? official unveiling, right? the official announcement. I know. Um, um, so how? I wonder if you can talk about because I'm not. I know you're working with licensees. We've talked about that, yeah. and, and you do uh, some of the designs. How how do you work with artists in general out there? If either someone wanted to work with you to produce something or or do you just sort of seek out the artists that you want to work with for a, for a given project like how do you work with artists uh, at creepy co yeah so all roads lead to instagram <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm constantly on instagram and i some days i love it some days i hate it but when i find right. a new artist that i just um i'm really like digging on and i'm like this you know they could do something really great i'll, I'll reach out um, sometimes they're a little too high profile for us, mm -hmm. you know, and that's fine. I, I just continue to bother them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've gotten to work with some really great people, some really nice people. Like you said, you just had, um, life of coal, Instagram oh, yeah. handle, yeah. <laughs> um, Cole, yeah, mm. uh, is a really great guy. I'm just, I have, we haven't done anything with him, but I mean, you know, this, People You've are worked awesome. with um, Jared Beastrek, oh, yeah, huh? and he, he did a couple Aliens prints for us for that uh, Aliens 30th anniversary show that we did last yeah. summer. Yeah, so there's a little crossover there from Squared Co. to Creepy Co. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, there's, it may seem like these, it's a very small world. And the more yeah, I, yeah, the more everyone be, yeah. moves in it, the more you see that it's incredibly small, you know. And do you tend to, uh, work with just artists that are doing either similar themed stuff or, or can you sort of see the potential just because, you know, you like their style and you think we can apply this either sort of because it contrasts with a creepy theme or, uh, yeah. you know, just because you can tell they could probably pull off a creepy uh, design. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff I'd like to do that is kind of maybe conceptual and, and avant-garde. I think most people, Notice that uh, Creepy Co. is different than its contemporaries. I hesitate to use the word um, competitors, but th mm -hmm. there's often mm -hmm. several businesses that are playing within a, a given space or niche. And I don't want Creepy Co. to look like what other people are doing. And that's one of the things that I'm really um, invested in, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the reasons why we did such weird, wacky pins in the beginning, like a scented pin. And we, you know, we did the first moving horror pins and that kind of thing is because I want us to be uniquely different. So I will 
I've got like a whole, I call it a Rolodex. And what I'll do is I'll go on Instagram on my phone and I'll screen cap an artist that uh-huh. I like. Yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll keep that in my references on, on Instagram. You know that you can do that thing where you hit the little banner. Yeah. yeah. Oh, save to. Yeah. yeah. And I have this little folder called a reference. Right. And it's like artists. <laughs> they're like, so that's my, my visual Rolodex. That's great. And yeah. um, it gets hard because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's limited. Sometimes a license is limited to a certain style. Um, Goosebumps, oh, okay. for example, we our license is for the Jacobus art primarily, which doesn't really need a reinterpretation. It stands on its own. But I'm there's a lot of things I'd like to do that take a sort of different approach to a license, like maybe something that folks aren't used to which could be uh-huh. a huge leap. Yeah, definitely. And maybe it's kind of one of those things where you're like, is this going to work? So yeah, so we got some stuff that I'd like to try. So you've mentioned a few times now in this conversation, uh, community. Um, I, I think you've said community and you've never said customer, which is interesting. I wonder if you could talk about that a little basically. Like how do you sort of define who your community is? Because it seems like it is more than just uh, people who bought a pin from you. It seems like you have a, a bigger concept of who these people might be. I wonder if you can kind of talk us through that a little bit and then sort of how do you, uh, how does that drive what you do and what products you're going to come out with? Yeah, great question. It's funny because I keep bringing up Target. I feel like they should pay me for this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll just beep it out you know, every right? time you say it. I know, and then people will be like, what? That would be, that's funny. <laughs> I think, I think it was Target where they said we, they don't call people customers at the store they call mm-hmm. them something else i yeah. forget what Guests the word or something yes <laughs> that's it that's it yeah i, yeah. I worked yeah. there and i don't remember that <laughs> i'll tell you why i don't remember that target <laughs> made me work on halloween th- four, uh, four years ago mm-hmm. or whatever after i asked them three months in advance and basically told them halloween is like my religion yeah, yeah. so that left a bad taste in my mouth i i could see that yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, we know when I say community, I I'm I'm pretty active when I can be on Instagram. I like talking mm-hmm. to people. I encourage people to talk to us. I haven't done a lot of that lately because we're doing <laughs> Susan and I are doing the work of no joke like five people right now each. Yeah. Uh so that can get to be hard. But I do have a roadmap for what I want things to be. And I started that creep club as a way of sort of opening that up. I know people don't do a lot of of forums anymore or mm-hmm. reading and writing in general, you know, right. um, blogs are, are hard to get people to read. I've, I've got some ideas that I'd like to, to explore, um, in terms of, of what's the idea of community and sort of taking a brand, if you will, and making it more of an experience. I think uh-huh. there's a lot of, of other brands that are in this sort of genre that already do a really good job of catering to a sort of horror fan base so they've already got that covered it's kind of like what else can we do at this point you know Mm -hmm. uh and it's another one of those things i don't really know but in the meantime if you want a really cool shirt we'll give you one i mean if you give us (laughs) the money for it which i hate i hate talking (laughs) about that part of it but sure it's always a little cringeworthy and you also talked a little bit about so we started um, a little while ago saying that you're on both sides of this equation. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, so you make officially licensed product for other brands. 
And now you're kind of wholesaling out your own products to, you mentioned Barnes and Noble, Hot Topic and Boxed Lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if you can kind of talk a little bit about how that relationship started and how you're able to finally um, release your products in actual physical locations. Yeah. So I'm a huge believer of the, of the power of, of networking and sort of, mm-hmm. of happy, not an accident, but by meeting people and having some really great things come of that. Every time we mm-hmm. go to right. a place, like we were just at New York Comic Con, I meet, inevitably meet somebody that turns into some bigger opportunity, right? So we were at Toy Fair back in February we were standing at this booth and Susan and I didn't know what we were doing there. We're like, let's go to Toy Fair. Why? I don't know. We don't. We were in the middle of, of having our toy made, our My Pet Monster toy. So I thought, well, let's just go and, and kind of do some reconnaissance, you know. And we were at this booth. I forget what it was. But <clears throat> I met this gentleman named Randall. And... Um, and we started talking about our, our pins at the time because we, that's all we, I mean, pins fit in a small bag, you know. Here, here are some mm-hmm. pins, you know. And uh, Randall introduced us to his boss, who's Steve, who's now a part of our company. And that's very, all of, all of the places we're in right now are very new developments as of September. So this is just starting and it's exciting because all of this stuff we're doing uh, right now that's taking up all of our time and, and leading me to, to be up for 36 hours at a time <laughs> is, uh, is the stuff that I can't talk about that's happening right. next, you know, but, you know, super exciting. Yeah. So um, what, what's available at these locations? So Barnes & Noble, again, Hot Topic, Box Lunch. I can't imagine your whole product line is right. there. Do you have specific things that you have selected or worked with their buyers on what would do well in the specific stores? How do you kind of pick and choose what's going to be available where? So our our Bistol release, and also mm-hmm. uh, people always ask me, how do you say that? Bistol? Yeah. Bistol? <laughs> I'm afraid <laughs> to say it even though you've said it several times. Um, Bistol. So I didn't know. I thought it was Bistol, but, yeah. but the T... That's what I would you say. You say the tea, and I thought it was Bicel until I called them that fateful day <laughs> in, I don't remember what it was, August, two and a half, three years, whatever. And their recording on there says, Thank you for calling the Bicel company. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh. You know, Bicel licensed this year because we went to the, um, the archives in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania this oh, summer. Cool. You know. So we went over there to, it was kind of like a, we made it a work vacation. I'd never been to Baltimore. So after we did, mm-hmm. did um, Shippensburg, we went to Baltimore. But we got to look through their archives. And, um, and then we got to work planning, you know, what are we going to do that's more ambitious that we can do for retail. So we did those candles with the pins in them. Mm-hmm. A- after some, we'd been wanting to do a candle for the better part of a year and a half, but we couldn't find means of manufacturing that was sustainable for us because it's very very expensive and and to hand pour your own candles is oh. kind of a waste of time <laughs> for us at least yeah not not people that they're at that that level that they can do that um it's just we, we can't do that we can't make our own product anymore so we finally through this distribution 
channel we're able to find you know a means of, of making hundreds of thousands of things you know candles is one of those so those are at box lunch right now those can oh, cool. i think our candles sold out in a day uh, wow, that's <clears> awesome <throat> yeah and that was a massive amount of candles was not expected they smell so good i wish i could <laughs> i wish people could smell it through the computer because our, our least popular one was the candy corn one i think people are like Candy oh. corn, but it smells so good. It doesn't smell like candy corn, you know. Oh, that's the one I would get right away. Actually, <laughs> that sugary <laughs> vanilla smell. Oh yeah, yeah. all over that. I mean, even if you don't like the taste, the smell has, you know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> Jared would be biting into the. Wax. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I kind of uh, yeah. I've got the got the one on my desk here. Yeah, I mean, the, so those came in a box and they have a pin in them, which is. A totally novel concept you know mm -hmm. so it was that we did plush uh which was great and all of this stuff comes in pdqs which is the industry term it means pretty darn quick because mm -hmm. you can rip open the box <laughs> and put it on the shelf and it's like a built-in display so uh. um those uh that was my first foray into really large-scale packaging uh and manufacturing for us so that release was very big and those items are available on, I think Hot Topic Online has our plushes. I know I know they've cool. got some of our pins in stores. All of them, I believe, or nearly all of them. Um, Box Lunch, all locations have candles and pins. Um, Barnes & Noble, here's where things get a little disappointing was when you tell people, <laughs> oh, Barnes & Noble, and they're like, I went there and your stuff was not there. You know? <laughs> um, we're only in 11 stores to start, and that's typically... How these things work okay. when you're dipping yeah. your toe in the water is we don't have the the uh, supply on hand to be in every single <laughs> you know Barnes and Noble for the items that we have. But what we do have is a really nice display, an entire display of of Creepy Co stuff, shirts, pins, candles, plush. Oh. So just to see what works and what doesn't. And that's how you start and build from there. Are these like a little POS uh, kind of stand or display or, or do they sort of incorporate it into their own, however, the shelf things are? Can you sort of dictate how this stuff is going to be displayed? It's kind of like at their discretion is not the right word. That's the thing about retail. Another thing, um, it's kind of restrictive in some ways, Yeah. you know, unless you're like um, Stranger Things. Have you seen all of the Stranger Things stuff that's out? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yes. Don't they have, oh man, you know, where you can go Everything. to Target and be like, this is the way it's going to be. Like fun code. Right. <laughs> We're going to put a header card here on the, you know, <laughs> so, so you, so you do have to follow the rules. Wow. That's exciting though. That must be exciting to, to walk in uh, to those stores and see your, see your stuff there. It is. Yeah. It is. It's weird. It's very strange. <laughs> we, when we were at New York Comic Con, one of the 11 stores that were in for Barnes and Noble's Union, Union Square Oh, wow. so we That's went there. One. Yeah. Yeah. We went there to see cool. that. And and it is exciting. It's exciting. And also, I mean, I, the stuff we have planned is, is really ambitious. And yeah, again, I'm like, mm, I'm, I'm oh, making course, a, I'm making you, a zipper. You keep on my lips. teasing us with that. So we definitely will have to get you back. No. Um, when you are able to unzip your lips. Right. Um, but before uh, we let you go. Yeah. I just wanted to say that, again, I'm a huge fan of your brand and your whole aesthetic. Thank you. I, I've mentioned before that I wasn't really a fan of the creepy or scary 
but I think you've kind of turned me into a fan. And I'm definitely, I'm buying things that I normally wouldn't have. I was never a fan uh, growing up of My Pet Monster. Oh, yeah. But, and Jared saw this earlier, I oh, have yeah, your yeah. My Pet Monster uh, vinyl toy. Nice. I've got some other creepy goodness from you, and I have no doubt that I'll be making more purchases from you as you release more products. Awesome. That's so great. Um, yeah, I love the Bystel stuff and all that. Like, I do love that vintage retro Halloween. Like, there's kind of, I know there's a lot of levels of it. Like, yeah. there's that sort of, like you said, the mid-century stuff, which is very cool from a design standpoint. But then when you go back to, like, the early stuff and it's kind of, like, like, it's playful, but it's terrifying. Yes. Like, I love that stuff, like how scary that stuff was, even though it's children dressed up this like this or or that they carved like uh, like radishes or rutabagas before, oh. you know, and they're just like the most yeah. terrifying thing you've ever seen. Like, that stuff is All those is old photographs. I'm telling you, the Germans did. That's where that scary Halloween stuff came mm-hmm. from. And it, it is legitimately uns- unsettling. <laughs> but, that's, but that's why I love it also. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, so my last question before we wrap up sure. is, is actually about Suzanne. Does she share this passion of yours for the creepy or does <laughs> she, she probably appreciates it for sure. But did she come when you first met? Like, did she already have a, a passion for this stuff as well? No, actually. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yes, but no. She's a very open-minded mm-hmm. person, a, a cinephile, uh, right. appreciates all types of film. She'll watch anything I ask her to watch, you know. Wow. No, no problem. Doesn't have a problem with it. Isn't isn't afraid. So she, she's like one of the one of those curious people, you know, that will or that will entertain anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but has grown to love certain things at, at my urging, right. just just as I yeah. have with her, you know. So I'm I'm very lucky to have her in my life. Um, but even more so because <laughs> she's such a <laughs> such a, a diligent worker and just uh, it just works i lucked out you know i lucked yeah. out having her <laughs> on my side um but no not a not a lifelong creepy person in the in the same respect but has certainly enjoyed halloween and and other yeah. spooky things just like most people have on this you know on a very surface sort of level not the yeah. wackos yeah. like me and Right. You know, I think that's better, though, isn't it? Because you can introduce like the fun must for you to to introduce her into these terrible movies. Like I I can't imagine the (laughs) cinephile having to watch House 2 and and appreciate it in the same way that you do. So like that's got to be exciting uh, to to be able to do that. So I think it's fun when you're a little, you know, when you're when your likes and dislikes don't match up exactly. Yeah, like keeps things kind of exciting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And she can do the books. So that's, that's a win win. I knew (laughs) truthfully, I've been lying to you this entire time. I am a, um, a future seek seer. No. And I knew that she would be. So that's why. No. Yeah. You were were recruiting. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was using my mind powers to, or there, there's so many things that we weren't able to touch on. Yes. Um, I would have liked to have dived a little bit deeper into the origin of Bosco and that whole thing. Because I know you had a little uh, contest for that. But I'm going to have to hold you to it. And we yes. definitely have to have you back on. Um, we'll bring you both back. Date. We'll bring Suzanne on the next one, too. She can. Yeah. Yes. 
Because I feel like she's a better conversationalist than me in a lot of respects. So. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely be able to uh, dive a little deeper into the whole Creepy Co. But with that, if you listening to this aren't already following, um, please be sure to go check out Creepy Co. We'll leave links to how you can get in touch with Creepy Co. Um, follow them on all the social media um, this will be in our show notes, so please go check them out. And I think that's it. Do you have anything before we go uh, that's coming up that you want to tell people to look out for? Yeah, let me think. Let's see. So for the for the holiday season, <clears throat> we're doing a lot of the stuff we, we have already done more recently. We're just kind of expanding on it. We've got a G- GPK mm-hmm. collection uh, that's that's going to release end of November. I'm looking at our whiteboard here. Uh, <laughs> we've got we've got some new product that we've never done coming out early November that should cool. be the beginning of some cool things. Goosebumps, we're doing more for that too. Awesome. So just just kind of expanding on stuff we've already done before we start to, you know, ramp yeah. up for like 2018 and stuff. So yeah. Big year. Very cool. Sounds like so a big year. Make sure everybody listening go right now, check out Creepy Co. Um, check out the links, like I said, again in our show notes. That's all I've got for today. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you later. Beware, you're in.